0: Chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. I'm just going to read them through. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely... Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And verse 9, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. There's three things I want to say today, and uh, we've been talking about the peace of the Lord in anxious times. And three things. Number one, what is anxiety? And what are we to be anxious about? Number two, um, how the peace of God is acting on our behalf. The peace of God is not passive. The peace of God is not a state of mind or a state of passivity, but it's acting. And that is acting. That's something that God is doing on our behalf. And then number three, how the peace of God causes us to act and how we can walk away with something in our heart that we can act upon. Something that we said a couple of weeks ago is that when anxiety comes in, and this is actually a word in the Greek language here in, in Philippians chapter 4 that means to be torn into pieces. Anxiety tears us into pieces by debilitating worry and fear. And how many of you have ever been torn into pieces about things that are on your mind that, are, that we're walking through? Anxiety. And there is a, there is a proper word uh, proper sense of anxiety for, uh, it's a concern for people and things that we love. And these are the things that um, we are motivated by love, by the love of God to care for and to be anxious about. But the word anxiety here is something that's not normal care and concern. Um, anxiety is this, it's like fear, but anxiety is an abstract, it's an undefined fear that's caused by suppressing things that we're not allowing the Word and God to address in our life. For example, I may have a phobia of a spider um, and I can point at that spider and say, I'm afraid of spiders. I'm not afraid of spiders. Uh, But I could point at it and say, I'm afraid of that. But if if the spider disappears and I haven't killed it and it's somewhere in my house walking around, maybe in my bed, I'm going to walk around my house in a state of anxiety, right? I don't know where it is and it's something I don't know if it's still in there or if it's poisonous or not. Um, but it's, it's something that I'm going to be anxious about. And so anxiety is a state of mind when, when, our, when we've lost our peace because um, there are things that we don't know about, we haven't defined, and we don't know where it is. Maybe it's something that we were afraid of before, that we were so f- afraid of it that we just kind of push it aside and now we're no longer dealing with it. But because it's undealt with it's like bad food in your refrigerator. It starts to smell that smell is this anxiety it's this it's this tension it's this low hum we talked about last Sunday in our soul that is this um, something that is bothering us and something that is not allowing us to relax and it's this anxiety in our hearts and Philippians chapter four verse six tells us how we deal with with anxiety, And I want to talk about prayer for a few minutes this morning. Uh, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. But in everything pray. I like how the Amplified Bible brings this out. Um, in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition with definite requests. Uh, how do we deal? What's the first step of dealing with anxiety in our life? I think if... Like myself, I would probably, I'm the kind of person that would like to sit down and just kind of figure it all out. I can figure this out. Well, I've got this, you know. Uh, it's something that I think maybe as a husband, sometimes we have this sense of responsibility that, that um, really a lot on us depends on us bringing, you know, making money or leading the family or um, leading our kids or, or our wife. And it kind of lands on us and we're trying to figure this all out but i think what we deal how we deal with anxiety is first with prayer and we just go to prayer and say lord and we just go to god in prayer about it and we're bringing and this is, this is like in every circumstance in every situation we're petitioning god you know does god know what we need like does god does god know what's happening do we need to go to god and pray like oh by the way did you not know this is happening like i just want to inform you god of course he knows but prayer is this beautiful thing because I like to look at it like this. that in Romans chapter 8, there's a spirit, the spirit of God that's in us. And this is how I think it works. Is that there's, a mi- there's something that is in God's mind. And God is thinking, I have a provision for something for, for you in your situation. I have, a provi- I have an answer for that. But I have to create a crisis because we don't understand that we need that thing. And so when that crisis happens, God has already put it in our hearts to pray. For example, suppose like you know how it says in Matthew chapter 6, pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? God has a plan for you and your family. God has a plan for your business. God has a plan for you as a personal, as an individual, as a single person, as a married person, as a teenager. God has a plan for you and we don't know what that plan is. But God will put things in your heart that will cause prayer. For example, suppose God has a plan for Magnolia, right? God has a plan for this neighborhood. Let's just use that example. God has a plan. And, and I don't know of any other churches in the nearby area here. And maybe God has a plan for this area. And so the Lord puts it in a group of people's hearts to have something start in this area. And then we start praying, Lord, would you do something in this area? Would you do something in Magnolia? Would you do something on Tamina Road, right? For example. what well, did, did that desire come from us? I like to look at it like the Holy Spirit prompted us to start praying because God had a plan for Magnolia. Are you, are you following me? I think that the thing that God wants to do, His will on the earth, is something that, that He is speaking to us about. And then we're moved to pray. That's Romans chapter 8. The Spirit of God moves in us to pray because we, we don't know how to pray. And when we start praying, we're praying back to God the very thing that He wants to do. Does that make sense? so it's this full circle it's like like so for example maybe in a high school God has a plan to do so, to move in a high school among youth among teenagers he wants to do something there so what does God start looking for he starts looking for a man or a woman a young person a young teen or someone that would start that he can put that burden on and there's maybe one or two you know, in the Old Testament, it says that I sought for a man, that he would stand in the gap, that I would not destroy the land. And God's looking for someone that would be an intercessor, to be an, a mediator, to someone to stand in the middle to mediates. God has a plan, but he needs to honor free will. We are free will, we are, we are not robots. God has created us with a decision maker. And so what he does is he'll put that burden on a person's heart that is seeking God's will. And that person will start praying, like, I don't know why, but, you know, Magnolia High School is on my heart. Or, or you know, Bear Elementary over here is on our hearts. And we're praying. We don't know what God's going to do. We have no idea what and how and when. And that's how it was with Cyprus. We just, I mean, I took my wife there on our 15th anniversary. It was a surprise, surprise trip there. And we went there. and We realized, okay, this is more than just an anniversary trip. This is turning into a mission trip. And, um... We began to sense the burden of the Lord for the Cypriots, for the people that lived on that island. And I think the fruit and the beautiful land and everything else like kind of helped that vision, <laughs> you know. And we were there and we started sensing that the Lord had a burden for this place. I remember when we first kicked off in Shenandoah before COVID, um, Cyril was Cyril's in the back there. She came in and she was there. And, and um, you know, we finished our first service and we we're all going out to our cars. And Cyril kind of came out to my wife and I and she said, she goes, this is God's will. God has a plan for you in this school. and the, You know, and why? Because when you're a praying person, God is speaking to you. God is telling you things. God is speaking to you about, and I'm so off my notes right here, but that's, that's fine. God is speaking to you and I about what he wants to do in a person's life. We are following God today, I think, because someone prayed for us in our you know, ancestors or, or people that we don't know or maybe your youth leader prayed for you. And I think that when we make ourselves available for the burden of God, then God says, "I'm going to put that burden on you and you're going to have a heart for people." And you can have that as a coach, you can have that as a teacher in a in a high school. You could have that in in any career that you have. When you're when you're facing broken and and, and wrecked society and you're seeing things every day, which some of us are seeing a lot of, um, we see that and then if we're open to the Lord, we can say, God, give me your burden for this situation. That I could be more than just uh, doing my career, but I could in some way communicate your heart to people. And I think the Lord is looking for people like that. A.W. Tozier said this, he said, and he wrote a book called God Tells the Man Who Cares. I love just the title of that book. Like God's not gonna speak to us unless we make ourselves available and say, Lord, speak to me. And what is prayer? Prayer is not twisting God's arm that he would do something for us. Or it's not, prayer's not like this subjective energy that I'm pushing up to God. Like, okay, see my groanings and my utterings and all of this. And Lord, you've gotta do something. And it's like God puts something in our heart and we discover we have a spiritual burden. And I think that that's spiritual maturity in a, in a Christian's life. Romans chapter 8, they that are led by the Spirit of God are the mature sons of God. And I think that a real, a wonderfully beautiful thing is, is when you and I can walk with the Lord and the Lord can put something in your heart for something that is so outside of your, of your natural ability or your natural inclination. I remember when my wife and I and many of you know our our, our adoption story. Um, you know we were living in the Philadelphia area. We we didn't have kid. We didn't have a child, and we wanted a child, and it just wasn't happening. And I just remember the Lord spoke to us about adoption. And we were with a family this past week, Thursday, at their house, and it's a it's a sizable family, and the Lord put on their hearts adoption, and they have not even like. <laughs> they're not even in a place where they even feel like they can even financially or even figure it out but it's like this impossible it's this impossible dream that God puts in the heart and this is what we really desire isn't it this is something that we have been made to live for the impossible like you know like you know I think parenting and I you know I thought I was born again until I became a parent then I realized, Lord, I need to pray the sinner's prayer again, you know, like every day. God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Be merciful unto me and forgive all my sins, you know? And I just, I don't, I, I don't know how parents are here that could maybe identify with that. Maybe I'm the only parent here that, that feels like I just need to get saved every day or every hour. But I just think that the Lord wants to put something on your heart for people that are so outside of you. I think the Lord could put his burden in a teenager's heart. I remember as a 17-year-old, I was going to high school, flunking high school. It was just a, it was like a wreck. I had no. lived in Dover, New Hampshire. I was going nowhere in my life. No motivation for anything. And I remember someone took me on a mission trip to Sweden one week. And we were on the streets doing evangelism. We saw, like, Christian theater on the streets. And, you know, it was just me and, and this, this one guy that traveled with me. And, and I remember the Lord grabbed a hold of my life. And I can't explain it. But I remember standing on the street, watching these people do evangelism on the street, and I just, the Spirit of God, like, just touched my heart. And I said, that's what I want to do with my life. I wanna walk, I wanna be in ministry, whatever that, I wanna be a missionary. And I remember coming back home, you know, from Sweden. One week, I was absolutely a different person. And I, and, and I went back to high school, I was a senior that year, and um, I, needed, I needed to catch up on a lot of work if I wanted to graduate take a lot of night classes and I just remember um, my family at that time was in a very hard place so I'm walking home from school like late at night because I'm taking night classes and I remember just walking down the street and sensing the presence of the Lord on me and I didn't know what it was and I just remember like this favor and this presence and and like this anticipation and this sense that like I am nothing, I'm like going nowhere, but yet there's this hope. And it was a sense of calling that was coming into my heart. And I remember walking home and I, when I would open my Bible, it would speak to me differently. I think the Lord wants to put something on your heart that's bigger than you. Otherwise, we live in anxiety. Anxiety is just me trying to handle and manage my life without God that's what the result is anxiety I, I mean i don't know what to do but you know something we've been made we are creatures we've been made for the, to live an impossible life and that's how we've been made and if we're not living an impossible in the impossibility of life then there's something about us that it's just not satisfied we've been made for like to crazily love our spouses we've been made to like walk by faith to walk on water i love it because here's what happens peter is on the boat with the other disciples, and Jesus is walking in the water, and what happens? Peter sees Jesus, and he says, I think he's looking at Jesus, and he sees himself, and he says, Lord, if you call me, I'm going to come. What does Jesus do? I love this. No, Peter, now you had, you know, you sinned yesterday. Your thought life hasn't been great. No, he didn't say that. He said, come, because Jesus loves faith, And I think that we can present ourselves and say, Lord, I don't have very much. I'm not this and I'm not that, but I can say, here I am. And when we do that, he calls us out into the water. And when we're walking on the water, there's this incredible sense of satisfaction. It's scarier than anything. Like when we were adopting, it was so scary. It was so emotional. I've never been in a place where I was so emotionally all over over the, um, the chart. And I just remember like... Living like in every way, just to, to the maximum of fear, the maximum of of like jealousy or anger, and the maximum of love and and compassion. Do you know what I'm saying? We were built for that. Otherwise, in Romans chapter one verse twenty-one, if we're not living this life that God gives us through a burden that He can give to us through prayer, then we just we just get occupied with stuff, entertainment and. And sublimation and things that that are just kind of taking our mind away from the humdrum of anxiety and not being content and not being content in what I'm doing. I feel like that when a family, when when a married couple take on a faith vision, that's so much bigger than them because they have a burden from the Lord. I think that there's something that happens in that marriage that's, amazingly, that's just amazingly reviving. It just quickens the marriage. It quickens the and, but, and the kids see that mom and dad are walking by faith. And the kids are walking through it too. And the, very thing, the very simple thing I want to say this morning is this. Is that the Lord, through prayer, wants to put something in our heart that he wants to do in your family, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your, in your country, and in your, in your job. And if we say yes to him, we're going to see incredible, incredible, miraculous things happen. And if you walk by faith, if anyone's like ever walked by faith, you know what I'm talking about. That that like it's the scariest thing. And it's, a, am I talking about no planning or just kind of jumping into something without a plan or without thinking? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we receive from the Lord in prayer and maybe we don't know what the Lord wants us to do but we pray and then a burden comes and the Lord can do that with a child a Lord can speak to a child like he did with Josiah in the Old Testament like he did with David the psalmist uh, like he did with um, with Mark like the, the disciple Mark was probably a, was probably a teenager a young man the Lord can put something in a young man or a young woman's heart and say I I have a dream that and this like Joseph had this dream. He had a dream that Joseph had this dream that one day I'm going to be in a place where I can where my whole family is going to be bowed over and I'm going to be in a place to bless them. And that's the dream that he had. And that day came after much hardship, much hardship. And I just want to say that we are living in a world that really needs Christ. We are living like in your school, in your workplace, where you are there's such a need for Christ to be spoken. Um, And that's what it means to pour out our hearts in prayer. I think there's moments when we're taking steps of faith and it's really dark and we don't know what's happening and David said in Psalm 62 verse 8 he said, trust him in all times you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. What is the answer for anxiety? Pouring out prayer. And I was thinking about this early, early this morning. I got up and and um, you know how it is when you get up in early in the morning and you're like, okay, I'm done sleeping. I could probably sleep more, but, but I think the Lord wants to talk to me. And you're there and you just start pouring your heart out to God. And this is what Fenelon said. Fenelon, who was a Christian writer during the dark times of the Middle Ages, and he describes what it meant to pour out his heart to God. And is what he said, tell God all that is in your heart. As one unloads one's heart, its pleasures and its pains to a a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes that he may help you to conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved tastes for evil, your insatiability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others. How vanity tempts you to be insecure or in, insincere. How pride disguises you to yourself as to other, to others. And when we pour out our heart to the Lord, we discover in Psalm 62.8 that he's a refuge. You know what the problem is? Is that we go through things in our heart and we're, we're too embarrassed to share this to the Lord. We think that if I say something to the Lord that he's going to condemn me or he's going to reject me. Or God forbid that, you know, like I don't even want sometimes to even uh, acknowledge that there's something going on in my heart. And when we confess that to the Lord, then the Lord knows how to deal with that. Otherwise, we're going to live in this state of anxiety trying to deal with or manage our own sin. Paul says here that bring, bring everything in prayer with thanksgiving. And this word thanksgiving, the word with here, is it means like in the literary, in the Greek here, it means a governing factor. That when we pray with thanksgiving, this is what he's saying. Paul's saying this is that when you're praying with thanksgiving, that thanksgiving, that gratefulness, that gratitude, is governing your your heart, and it's guarding your heart. And when that happens, I, like this is what I like to do. Like when we pray, when I pray with my wife, or I'm praying by myself, or with people, I always like to pray with thanksgiving. Because when gratitude ends, that's when idolatry begins. In Romans chapter 1 verse 21 and verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is an amazing verse. This is so powerful. This is the only time in the New Testament that this phrase is used, peace from God. And what it says here is it passes understanding. Which actually transliterated means passing every thought. It rises above that this peace is superior to and it rules over everything that's going on. This goes beyond mere reasoning. This goes beyond mere understanding. Mere reason cannot find a way out of perplexity. The mystery, the mysterious dealings of God present problems with, present problems with reason that reason cannot solve which only multiply its doubts and questionings. Within the sphere of God's peace, all these things are dismissed and the spirit rests in the Lord. Until our minds, until our mind is renewed by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4 verse 23, we cannot comprehend the situation that we are in. God will purposely put us in situations that are so beyond our understanding that we will need to go to God and say, Lord, I need you to quicken my mind, Ephesians 4, verse 23, the spirit of my mind so that I can just rest in this situation even though I don't understand what's happening. And I love that, that we can go to God and say, God, I don't need explanations. I just love you and I trust you. I surrender. And when we think like that, there's such peace in our life. We live in a, such a knowledge-based society where everything is just so available on the internet and now with AI that anything you could ask, you could just get information about. But what if we could just bow before the Lord, the creator, the king of the universe, the Lord of our life and, lay, and, and, and be prostrate before him and just say, Lord, I don't need to know all the answers. It's okay. I trust you. I love you. And you're going to lead me and I can... I am secure. And when we do that, the peace of the Lord comes in. It begins to guard us. It begins, the word guard there means to set an army around to protect so that the city can sleep at night. And so, number three, in closing, the peace of God not only acts and guards us, but it causes us to act. This is a word that this is a word here that describes um, thinking in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I'm going to read this again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy meditate on these things the word think there in the king james or in some translations is considered maybe a weaker translation because thinking here is not really the word that's used it means to dwell on or to think to meditate on when we think about these things that god is doing and we dwell on them we're filling our mind with something other than the circumstances that are at at present it means to it means it means to um, contemplate. It means to think and to pray, and it doesn't mean to empty our minds of bad thoughts. I think sometimes people will say, "Well, you just don't just try not to think about that situation, or try not to think about the possible outcome of that." That is not a resolution. that That leaves the problem in our mind unresolved, and that leads us to anxiety. Every thought and every, everything that comes into our mind needs to be addressed by the word of God. And if it's not, then it becomes, it becomes something that's anxious in our life. If we allow the word of God to address every thought in, like in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, to, critica- to criticize every thought and to analyze every motive, when we do that, then we allow the word of God to govern us. The peace of the Lord here is not the absence of bad thoughts, nor is it peace expelling negative thoughts. The problem with expelling negative thoughts is that what you're really doing here is just refusing to face how bad things are. Then we're not being realistically. And we secretly say to ourselves, I'm not I'm going to get calm by not facing the facts. And so Paul here, he's writing, he's writing here in Philippians chapter four, and and he's facing a trial. He's facing his death. He knows that that he's facing torture. And he's saying that I have the peace of the Lord. Why is it? Because the peace of the Lord is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. The the peace of the Lord is not some kind of state of mind, but it's a person. And I want to finish with that. That every time that we read about a virtue in the Bible, like the grace of God, the holiness of Christ, or the holiness of God, or... Or any of these words that we use to describe God's amazingness. We have to understand that Jesus is the incarnation of all those words. So who is the pe- what is the peace of God? It's a person. It's Christ in your life. When you and I are meditating and communing with Christ and his word. Then there's something that comes into our life that has more authority than us. It, has, it brings in something that has power over our emotions or our circumstance. And we can actually be in, the, in a furnace like the three Hebrew boys and we can have this peace because there's the fourth man in the fire with us speaking to us. There's Daniel in the lion's den and, the, and there's someone in that den that, has, that is much greater and that is much more powerful than those lions and that's Jesus Christ. I think if we can acknowledge Christ, listen to Christ, listen to what he's saying, commune with him in every circumstance and not, just n- not necessarily ask for answers but Lord, thy will be done. Whatever happens, then at that point, we're going to win because, because we have the peace of God. Philippians 4 verse 9, and this is the last verse, is this is Paul saying, don't forget to look. He's saying, meditate and remember me as an example of someone who walked by faith and how God provided. You know, you are going through things today, or maybe you will go through things this year. And you may not understand why you're going through it. You may not understand what's the purpose. It may seem so random to you. But in the end, what's going to happen is, is that you're going to be able to say, like in verse, verse 9, remember, what? look at what happened with me. You're going to have a testimony. You're going to be able to say something to someone that's going to just save their life. It's going like, to deliver them on the moment. It's going to give them hope. It's going to give them peace because you've been through that and it may not have seemed like understandable at the time but later on you're going to see like wow I went through that circumstance and I have a word and season for that person because suffering is never just for us it's really for other people and it's something that we go through so that we can share it so that we can encourage and I think that if we can be in a circumstance and listen to the Lord get his burden for something walk by faith live the impossible walking out the impossible Another thing, don't ever try to analyze your life by what you understand. What I mean by that is that, is that if you try to naturally understand everything that's going on in your life, it, it's pretty scary. Peter's walking on the water and then he starts thinking, wait a minute, this is not, the, this is, I'm breaking the laws of physics here. And when we start analyzing your life naturally thinking, you're not gonna understand what's going on and it's gonna bring confusion. And so when you're walking by faith, if you're in a, in a situation that just daily, hourly requires faith and just something from the Lord, then don't try to, don't try to analyze your faith. Maybe as a teenager, like you are, you're in school, you have a different, whole different set of values than, than friends in your school or in your neighborhood. Don't analyze that. Don't look at yourself like I'm really different. Because I think that they're looking at you and they're saying, I really wish I could be like that. I really wish I had Gabby's faith, or I really wish I had the faith of the, you know, because, and they, uh, there's something that's very attractive about that. You know, I didn't mean to embarrass G- Gabby, but, <laughs> but it's like, and when you walk like that, that's something that's very beautiful because Philippians chapter four, verse nine, remember me, the way I lived, the way I had to trust God And I'm a role model. I hope my life can encourage you. And that's what he said to the Philippians. And so we have peace. Because we see somebody that's been through it. We've seen somebody that's walked through it. They don't smell like fire. You know, they're not dead. And the Lord actually has blessed them. And that's what brings peace. Amen.